Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. I want to do something a little bit different this week. This week, I want to share with you one of the aspects of parenting that has been most challenging for me and my family. And I want to offer a few mindset strategies that have helped me make it through this. Okay, I'm going to share our journey with sleep, including what we've tried and what's worked for us. And I want to be really clear about one thing from the start. What we did is less important than how we approached it. I'm not sharing our story as advice or telling you what we did will work for you too. So if something that we've done doesn't feel aligned for you or if you disagree with something that we did, that's okay. Listen around that. Look for the mindset, not the action. Okay? So my daughter was never an easy sleeper. When she was really little, we co-slept, and I have no idea how many times she woke up per night to nurse. Naps had to happen on me at first, or possibly in the car seat or the stroller. We transferred her to a twin-size floor bed when she was about seven months old. So she was in her own room, and we started working on getting her to nap in there, Uh, Probably a little bit before that. I can't really remember at this point because that was like six years ago. So (laughs) anyway, I read a lot of books like I read Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child, The No Cry Sleep Solution. I found out very quickly that my daughter would like if I were to let her, she would cry for hours trying to soothe her through her frustration never actually worked like she would cry for hours and just wind herself up more even if I was sitting right next to her comforting her okay so any kind of sleep training was in my mind really out of the question because I wasn't going to put her through that I wasn't going to let her cry for as long as she needed to to fall asleep because I knew based on my observations, that she was really strong-willed and would keep crying indefinitely. And what I know of her as a six-year-old now just kind of reinforces that, because although she sleeps pretty well now, she still sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night and takes up to, well, usually over two hours to fall back asleep, right? So she, crying it out, crying herself to sleep, was not going to be a fun solution for anybody. By the time she was 14 or 15 months old, I had really tried everything I was willing to try in terms of working with her on sleeping independently. But I couldn't continue the way that I'd been going, so I knew I needed to look at other options. I just had this strong suspicion that there was something going on with her nervous system So rather than hiring a sleep consultant, I decided to look into alternative therapies for her. 
I thought, you know, let me just try these things first. If they don't work out, I'll work with a sleep consultant, but I think there's something else going on here. And since I taught prenatal yoga and children's yoga at the time, I had a lot of connections with acupuncturists and chiropractors. And there was actually one guy who used to bring his daughter to my toddler yoga class, who was a pediatric chiropractor. And I decided to investigate that a little bit further. Now, I'd always been really skeptical of chiropractors, but since this is somebody that I knew, I was willing to give it a try, but I decided to call my cousin first because she's an osteopath and I just wanted to get her opinion. And she told me, you know, it really depends on the person that you're working with, but if you find a good chiropractor, it can be really helpful. So (laughs) we made an appointment. At this point, At 14, 15 months old, my daughter was sleeping for three-hour stretches on her good nights, her best nights, and she was waking up every hour on the really bad nights. And at that first appointment, it was fascinating to me. So he just held a point in her hip with his pinky, and she almost fell asleep in his arms. We got in the car, and she fell asleep on the way home. I picked her up to take her inside and she stirred a little bit. She woke up a little bit, but I was able to carry her in and put her down in her own bed and she went right back to sleep. And y'all, that had never happened before. That night, she slept for five hours straight. So, needless to say, we kept going and pretty soon she was sleeping all the way through the night. And then all of the strategies that I'd been working on in terms of trying to get her to sleep without laying on me or nursing to sleep. Once we had that chiropractic piece in place, those strategies started working. So it wasn't like I'd been doing all this stuff for nothing. It was like that one piece clicked into place and everything that I couldn't see working before started working. And this was a major turning point for us. We've had a lot of challenges since then, but they've mainly been in the insomnia realm. So there were stretches where it would take her a couple hours to fall asleep at night. And even now, like I said a minute ago, if she wakes up in the middle of the night, she's generally up for at least two hours. We figured out along the way that gluten impacted her sleep it made it if she had gluten it made it harder for her to fall asleep and we realized that it was important for us to make sure she was getting enough iron in her diet if she was not getting as much iron as she actually needed that would show up in her sleep at five and a half we tried giving her melatonin and that was another game changer since we incorporated that into our arsenal we've had mostly good nights now The extended night wakings, like I've noticed that they tend to happen in clusters. And they're usually, these days, they're usually linked to a developmental leap. So at least it makes sense why it's happening. Now looking back over all these little stages and different challenges within our sleep journey, the unifying theme here is really that we've spent more time trying to figure out what's going on for her and how we can help then we have trying to simply fix a problem. Okay, to put it a little differently, 
I actively steer myself away from seeing her sleep as a problem. And I focus on the thought that she's having a hard time with something and it's making it hard for her to sleep. So then I look for like, what is it? What is she having a hard time with? So that's our history. That brings us roughly up to date. She's currently in the midst of another developmental leap. And over the past week, we've had four nights in a row of disrupted sleep. So we've been sleeping just fine again for a few days. I'm feeling pretty rested now, but um, four nights in a row where none of us were getting the sleep that we actually needed. And the first two nights were pretty okay. She woke up and she was okay with like just hanging out in her room and trying to go back to sleep on her own. The third night though, she was awake until nearly midnight. She had a really hard time falling asleep for the first time in over a year. And oh man, yeah, she really wanted me with her that whole time because she said that was the only thing that helped. She mentioned that she couldn't stop thinking about how she got lost in the void in Minecraft a few weeks ago. And she said that having me with her was the only thing that helped her stop thinking about that. Now, this is the whole reason I'm going into detail about this particular week. She said again on that fourth night that having a person with her was the only thing that helped with the bad thoughts. But then she went on to say that it was kind of like how going outside magically helped her earlier this summer when she was upset about something else. She said she went out into nature just in our front yard and all of a sudden it was like magic. She felt so much better. And so in my mind that that helped me see this wasn't just that she wanted my company or my comfort. It was really a regulation thing. She was actually seeking out full body contact to help keep herself calm. Okay, so knowing that, noticing that, that's something I can work with. And since this was the second night that she was upset about getting lost in the void, I probed a little bit deeper. She wasn't actually scared. At first I thought she was scared of that, that setting, but that's not what it really was. She was actually feeling a mix of disappointment and anger and guilt because it was a world she'd worked really hard on. She'd built a lot of cool things in that world and I had built a house in that world and now she thought that you know those things that she'd worked hard on and the work that I did was lost forever and she was really upset about that especially having lost the thing that I built which honestly all I wasn't attached to at all but in her mind that was a, just a huge disservice to me so this was perfect because with that information, I was able to help her make a plan to get the world back. I told her, you know, we know a lot more about Minecraft now than we did a few weeks ago because we just started, she just started playing Minecraft a few weeks ago. And I may not know exactly how to help her yet, but I know I can figure it out and I'm committed to figuring it out. So I kept saying that, we will figure this out. I am committed to working on it until we figure this out, and I will help you tomorrow. From there, I threw in a couple of possible plans of action, and she kind of 
piggybacked on mine and had a light bulb idea of her own. And then once she had an idea for what to do to fix the situation, the bad thoughts that she was having about it stopped bugging her. It was enough of a reassurance for her that she didn't need me in her bed anymore. You know, she still wanted me there because she still wanted that full body contact, which was another clue for me. So I built her a nest of stuffies and I went to sleep and she was fine. She didn't need me necessarily. She just needed contact. So the next morning when I woke up, I ordered her a weighted blanket (laughs) because the information that I'm gathered through the course of those two evenings suggests that she will do well with some additional contact at night to help soothe her nervous system. So we're going to try out a weighted blanket and see how that goes. And then when she woke up, we solved that Minecraft problem in under 15 minutes. It was pretty fun. And then it was over. So what are the takeaways? Let's recap. Number one, When something like this happens for you and your children, do the work of shifting your thinking around the challenges you're having. And instead of looking at their behavior as a problem to be solved, start asking what you can learn about them from their behavior and what sort of help they need from you. Number two, really let yourself be curious. Lean into that curiosity. Ask them lots of questions. It'll help fill in your gaps in understanding, but it also creates space for them to process and integrate their experiences. And it creates space for you to problem solve together. We, like I said, we're feeling a lot more rested, a lot more balanced. I think we're through that one particular rough patch, but I'm sure there are going to be more and we'll just keep problem solving as it comes up. But I hope that sharing our story helps you as you navigate your own challenges, whether they're sleep related or not. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. I will catch you in the next episode. Listen, if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you'd take a few minutes to leave a review. It'll help other parents find the podcast, and more importantly, it'll help more grown-ups see their kids' sensitivity as the strength it truly is.